You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the Midside, where another dimension is the actual dimension, because everyone else is in the other dimension. And you can find the actual dimension in our Discord. I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski, the hope for Bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show and in this dimension. Only when I'm in the other dimension, though, not when I'm in the actual dimension. In the actual dimension, you don't have to proactively and retroactively denounce anything because you're connected to reality. And all of this mumbo-jumbo, which sounds like it makes no sense, actually makes a lot of sense and is connected to all of our stories today, including the Discord add-on at the end of my opening line. So listen on to find out what the hell I'm talking about and why it wasn't just word salad. Now let's bring in my co-host. Joining me, this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Uh, spring is here. It's finally above. Uh, we had a couple above 80 degree days here uh, in uh, in Dale's Lawn. So I think uh, I think we can officially declare spring is here. Unfortunately, my allergies are still crazy because we've had so much rain that How uh, dare they're calling you it a declare- super bloom. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a crisis. It's due to climate change, Justin. Wait, 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 wait. So much rain is climate change. Yeah, that, that's what I've been told. I mean, also okay. in Australia, uh, increased liver cancer is caused by climate change. Okay. I can't explain that one, except if you lived in Australia, <laughs> you'd probably have to be drunk all the time. And maybe, okay, maybe I can't explain that one. Australia sucks, so they already drink a lot. But then when it gets unbearably hot in Australia due to global warming, they drink even more because they want to kill themselves. Is that how it happens? I, I, I think so. I think that's what, what, it, what it's related to. Okay, but to explain the Southern California one, you live in a desert. So I guess if it's raining, the climate has changed. So technically, that's climate change. But this is one of those where something happens to them and they apply it to the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. If everything is political, everything is global, too. Yes. There's no such thing as local. Right. Which my whole argument is make everything local. But beyond that, I want to take a step back. You need to denounce something. Denounce something? Yes. You just attributed... Yes, you just attributed the beginning of spring as being marked by weather and not by the second coming or the rebirth of Jesus. Oh, that's true. How dare you? Baby Jesus. We know that when Easter happens, right, when Easter happens, when zombie Jesus happens, that is when spring starts, not because of the weather. Uh, How dare you? Damn it. It's my privilege. I just, uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I am still privileged in some way. And that's one of them. (laughs) All right, so uh, we have a lot to talk about, and now that we've pissed everybody off, including our Christian audience, uh, why don't we just move into it in Life on the Midside. Take a good look around. Just like 
As always, you can support the show through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon and the midside.com slash Locals. We accept any and all support, including and perhaps most of all affirmations because, you know, we're men and we don't get them from anywhere, including our wives. But you don't have a wife, William, but... Maybe I shouldn't have said that on air. How dare you, Miss Gender Rye? <laughs> Soon to be wife. <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> All right. Well, talking about like, I don't even want to say misgendering because it doesn't have to do with gender, but misidentifying reality. This first story, which was sent in by a former co-host, Daniel, this has like multiple disconnects from reality. So William, there's the actual disconnect of reality of the rules being changed. And then there's the reporting of it. So I want to work backwards here. I want to work backwards from the reporting to what's actually going on. Peeling back the reality distortion field one layer at a time. Because, okay, this is exactly what happened to me, William. So Daniel sends this in, and I I read the headline, and I'm like, well, that's pretty fucked up, right? And when you read the headline, it's a fucked up headline, right? This is the headline. Joe Biden to hike payments for good credit homebuyers to subsidize high-risk mortgages. You hear that, and you're like... Yeah, okay, that's fucked up. But you have to be careful in the year 2023. We have no way of knowing if that's actually true. Yeah, now, it reminds me of the don't say gay so-called so, so right. bill, right? You have to read the bill and realize, wait a minute, this is reasonable. Why are we labeling it everything's a Nazi? Well, and there's another one like that recently in Florida, too, that I don't know if uh, you noticed that I sent it. It's like SB 254 in Florida, and it, it's it basically says... Uh, gender affirming care so you know treatment and surgery modern conversion is not therapy. allowed Let's just call it by right. by its name right the, it doesn't say that in the bill but modern conversion therapy is not allowed for anyone under 18 that's what it says in the bill but then if you actually read the bill it basically says it can be done with informed consent so basically all the bill is outlawing is forcing it upon teens by yeah, manipulating you manipulating know, teens into it yeah that's exactly what I was just going to say. Essentially, it protects teens from being manipulated by bad actors. You know, whoever those bad actors may be. I don't want to say parents or teachers or community members because it could be any. They could come. The bad actors could come from anywhere. But basically, the the bill sets a process of going to a doctor and all these steps you have to follow in order to go through your informed consent as a minor in order to go through conversion. Now, if you read about it online, what do you think people are saying about it, William? Uh, it's literally killing trans people. Right. This is transgenocide, and it proves how Florida wants to eliminate all trans people. Yeah, it's like cochlear implants are uh, are, are genocide killing the death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this story, right, in this headline, especially, you know, Daniel sent us an article from the Washington Times, not the Washington Post. The Washington Times is a pretty right-wing source so in the same sense with these bills in florida by the being characterized by the left we have to be careful about how this is characterized by the right yeah and this is of course this is exactly why james left the show right because james didn't want to deal with all of this stuff but he was saying oh it's too political the show's too political here but i don't i don't think this is political william i think this is political in the sense the philosophical sense of how do we organize society how do we organize society unfortunately it gets 
swept up in this right versus left thing because there's a big difference between are we going to like talk about you know how somebody runs their campaign and how many votes they're going to get none of that stuff interests me none of the mudslinging interests me but this interests me when we're talking about people buying their houses how do we figure out who gets to pay for what and who can afford what it's the basic thing or is shelter, why are right? we even making a decision about it right correct why why, why do i care what a but, Justin, if you go to buy a house, what do I care about the interest rate the bank gives you? Or why should right. I even care? Right. Uh, we, we shouldn't care about each other. It's like people who talk about their grades or well, their paychecks. in the way of I don't care about you, but in the, like, that's not my business, right? Like, right. I don't care if, like, you get a favorable rate and I don't. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're old, so, like, if you get a favorable rate, like, we'll party and be like, yeah, well, you've got a good rate. Uh, going home, <laughs> yeah. seriously. Or if you get a high one, like, you know, mine's three right now. Three percent because I was like, we, I told my wife, I was like, we better buy before like all this oh, goes yeah. away. Three percent, let's get it now. And then Daniel moved after everything went up, so his is like twice mine or something or higher. I don't know what it is exactly. Like, I'll, I'll make fun of him a little bit because I'm you know old and boring, and we make fun of each other over interest rates, right? But beyond that, like my context is different from yours. So like, if you turn around, William. And in six months, get a 2% interest rate. I'm not going to like be mad at you or care. I'm just going to be like, hey, good for you. You were able to get that. Yeah. Like, there's a that part, works. There's, there is kind of an envy in this, which we'll, I'm sure yeah. we'll get into. Right. So the first thing I want to do is read a quote from the Washington Times article. It says, mortgage, mortgage industry specialists say home buyers with credit scores of 680 or higher will pay, for example, about $40 per month. More on a home loan of... Oh, $40 per month more on a home loan of $400,000, the, the delivery matter there. Home buyers who make down payments of 15% to 20% will get socked with the largest fees. So every article I, I said I read said this. But William, none of them discussed the actual rule. None of them quoted the actual rule. And this is exactly what we were just talking about with the Don't Say Gay bill and SB 254. Right? If you read Don't Say Gay... It actually doesn't ever say the word. You, it never says don't say gay or you can't say gay. That It yeah. never says it. It's the same thing here. When I read something like this, am I the only person in the world who wants to know what the actual rule is? I think so. Because I think all modern news has become commentary. And what I mean by that is the goal is not to present the facts. It's to tell you what to think about those facts. Or not even right. the facts, right? It's what to think about the current thing. It's a, it's a, it's a propaganda sort of thing. And I think there's a place, this is not to knock like helping people contextualize things. I think that is part of journalism, but there is no focus because we don't believe in objective reality and everything is political. It is only looked through, it's, you only look through the lens when you're a journalist of your political uh, goals, your political ambitions. Right. Journalism is no longer about reporting facts, is essentially what you're saying. Well, I don't think it ever was 100%. I mean, we've always had yellow journalism, right? I yes. think what we're dealing with that now is... That is racist. Oh, is it? We've always dealt with... We've always dealt... I think in the past, there was an understanding of uh, that those things were biased. And I think that there's this facade of objectivity that people try to believe, right? People people think something is more likely to be accurate when it's in the New York Times when I would sort of argue it's exactly the opposite, right? By the time the 
media machine of the New York Times gets around to reporting on something, all the distortion fields have already been applied. Right. Now, with what you're saying is the distortion fields are preventing them from presenting this in a way that can make their point and be connected to what is actually going on. And what I mean by this is I looked at some other articles and here are two quotes I found that actually explain what's going on. So the first is as following. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will enact changes to fees known as loan level price adjustments on May 1st that will affect mortgages originating at private banks nationwide. And then they presented the matrix, the loan level price adjustment matrix, which I could click on and look at. Now, I'm not going to bore you all by reading from the matrix and explaining it and everything. I'm just going to say that's what you should Google. Loan level price adjustment matrix. If you want to know what's actually going on, look at the numbers yourself. Look at that. But more fundamentally than that, William, before we even get into the meddling that's going on here, the fact that the federal government can make loan level price adjustments disproves any person who ever says we exist in a free market and have laissez-faire capitalism. Does it not? Absolutely. I think uh, we've always been told that capitalism is is to blame here. And uh, it's it, it, I always talk about the only the only thing more regulated than the medical industry, which we have so many problems with uh, uh, the quote unquote market, as uh, people will call it, the mixed economy is banking. And this is this is the most regulated uh, aspect. There's the, the least amount of freedom is in banking. Um, we talked about it before. Uh, you know, so a fully reserved bank cannot literally cannot get a license, a federal license to operate because that would just put out a because the business model would, if it worked, would put out all, the business of all other banks. But B, it would leave the government with less control because um, there would be no bailouts all the time. So it just can't happen. Right. There's no political will to uh, to do it because it's become it's a captured industry captured by the government. Correct. So then this leads us to my next quote that I found. Right. Now, remember, the original quote threw out a bunch of numbers. Right. It, it quoted mortgage industry specialist, talked about credit scores of 680 or higher, gave a number that people are going to pay more a month. Right. Based on a loan number. All of this is, again, obscuring what's going on. Because, William, I recognize that most people are not going to want to read this loan level price adjustment matrix. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, it's pretty dense reading. I just skimmed it. Right. Right. So with that and with the idea that government is controlling this, most people are going to have no idea what's going on. So the best thing you could do is quote an expert. Is it not a specific expert? That's what this article that I found does. Okay. David Steve Stevens, who served as Federal Housing Administration Commissioner during the Obama administration. Look at that. A good source. Right. And this is what he said. This was a blatant and significant cut of fees for the highest risk borrowers and a clear increase in much better credit quality buyers. The point's still there. I Look, I don't understand, William, why we need to obscure our analysis and, or obscure the information and forefront the analysis when you could have a quote from the former commissioner of the Federal Housing Administration, very clearly just saying what's going on. Why do we need all these numbers and everything? 
Why, why do we have to hide this? It's very simple and very obvious when mm-hmm. you find the actual expert quote, isn't it? Yeah, and and like I said before, you can add some of this context if it's you know, uh, and connect it back to the these pieces of reality. Like that, that should be your goal: is this integration of these facts, right? Like the web gives us this great ability to provide links to back up your sources and analysis, and instead right. we get we get this. You had to go down this crazy rabbit hole to even find this. Right. And then you can add the context. And I found another great article, right? It's from Mishtalk, or actually Daniel sent it to me because I was like, Daniel, like there's no actual information here. So we were both going down the rabbit hole, right? And the the article is, is Biden's credit score screw job on mortgage pricing even legal? But here's the quote. It adds context where it starts taking, you know, the idea that we're cutting fees for the highest risk borrowers and increasing fees for the much better credit quality buyers, and it talks about credit scores. Now, it's going to talk about it in a different way than the original quote. Listen to this. Everyone with a credit score 680 and over is dinged. Okay, fine. Everyone with a credit score below 680 is a winner. Here's the context. The average credit score is 710, so the average person takes a hit. More specifically, Experian notes that only 35% of customers have a credit score below 680. So again, without doing all this analysis and telling people what to think, it's all right there and it's all clear. And then you can make the decision yourself and you can say, okay, well, I believe government should be involved in this and this is a valid way of redistributing wealth or I don't think government should be involved in this. And if they are, they definitely shouldn't favor the 35% of customers below the 680. And it all depends on what your goal is to building a society or maximizing individual happiness, whatever your goal is. But instead, the opportunity for readers to come to that decision themselves, come to that analysis themselves is taken away, is it not? Yeah, yeah, you're the, it's not that they want you to be informed, it's that they want to want you to know they want you to ha- make this emotional connection so you remember who to vote for. Right. And that's the thing. That's where I want to go with this. I think without the emotional connection, you see what's really going on. And this is the first of our stories, William, that is anti-reality. And what I mean by this is by seeing this idea right by the federal housing former federal housing commissioner you see that this is a clear inversion right credit scores are supposed to represent being wise being responsible with your money so if you cut fees for people who are worse with their money and you raise fees for people who are better with their money you are forget the redistribution of wealth argument which you could argue it is more than that this is inverting reality and it's saying you deserve to be punished or you deserve to have less for being better and you deserve to have more for have for being worse is it not absolutely and it and it's an incredible perverse incentive i mean i was talking to my business partner about this if i if i decide to buy a house now i'm going to tank my credit score and put less money down and then immediately uh, pay about down a bunch of principal in order to get past these rules, right? It, it makes financial right. sense to do it. I know it says forty dollars a month, but psh, that's on a 
that's on a $300,000 loan. Around here, houses are a little more expensive than that, right? Yeah, that California. money adds up over time. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And also, it can really fuck up closing Was another is another thing that's important to note, right? If these, you know, the these sort of classifications, especially when you get in the nitty-gritty, can, can basically make someone, depending on the way the loan that they're doing or the the rate or or the the incentive structure that they have in this giant document it could it could really mess up your closing yeah and even more fundamentally than this William because i think they're aware of someone like you doing that right there the people making these rules, they have to be aware of the loopholes right and they have to be aware of what the ultra wealthy are going to do here is what you just said they're, i don't even think they're going to take their credit score I don't even going to think they're going to care on that level because I think they're going to do exactly what you just said. Put a small amount down for closing and then after closing, make a large amount paid on their principal because what they're trying to wipe out, William, is the subscription model. I've talked about this before on our show. The number one thing killing us financially is we are not making one-time purchases anymore Everyone is trying to lock us into subscriptions where our money is being funneled elsewhere before we get the opportunity to think about every month where we want to spend it. And a home mortgage has always been the number one way of doing that. Now, the concept of I don't have the money to buy this, so you're going to give me a loan and I'm going to pay you back monthly. That makes sense. So I get the subscription model for here. I get that. But they're using it to the advantage here because... More fundamentally than most people don't want to read the matrix, aren't most people not even going to be aware of this difference in their fees, William? Yeah, yeah. No one's gonna no one's gonna really notice this. Uh at least the people on the higher end may not notice this as much, right? It becomes just another closing hassle, right? Right. The but, the people with the higher credit scores aren't gonna yeah. notice this. But I think the problem is it's it's putting more people into sort of fiat money debt slavery, right? If you're right. going to Correct. force, if you're forcing credit, like this is exactly what happened in 2008, right? If you're going to force banks to give money or give more money to folks who would normally not qualify, the result is not going to be more people owning houses. It's going to result in more people going bankrupt. Right. And that that's, that's what taxes are, William. It's what do they do? They pass a tax and you know this in California, right? And they go, oh, it's just a one cent tax, right? We're just going to raise sales tax one cent. But then once that's through and nobody notices, what do they do the next year? Uh, One and a half cents. Right. And then the next year? 3.5 cents. Ah, and then it keeps going up and you never notice because it's a small increase. 10.25%. Right. And look, that's the toughest thing with owning a home. I'll tell you, my home payment went up from my first year to my second year. Now, a large part of that is living in Florida and a bunch of people got flooded. So the homeowner's insurance went up greatly, even though I was fortunate that my house wasn't damaged. Right. Part of the insurance game is you're paying for other people. So your premiums go up. But when you change things with the rates like this, this is where the taxes come because As you said, William, you use the word debt slavery, right? Well, what if they pass a rule that says already existing mortgages, this is the the new price matrix? I can't do anything. I'm already locked into the contract, am I not? Yeah. Yeah. 
And if you go to refinance, now there's an extra concern, right? There's an extra thing to think about. Right. And that's the issue here is the true culture war isn't just woke. This is the true culture war that nobody is talking about. It's collectivism. Woke is just one branch of collectivism. This is the other branch of collectivism, the more insidious one. It's where we're trying to socially engineer numbers and data to make it so the collective benefits rather than any individuals. Because this isn't really caring about the people at the bottom. This is just trying to make it look like our society is better off as a whole. Mm -hmm. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah. Look, if the goal, the goal is not independence, right? Having people be independent here. The goal is to uh, make everyone feel good about housing, right? Look at all the people we have in houses now. Not, oh, look at these people who are independent. Right. And when we're talking about goals and wondering what people's goals are and having inverted or skewed goals, I have to think about an article you sent in, William. Uh, you sent in the, the Picasso article, right, from The Guardian, where it's the headline is, Notoriously Cruel, Should We Cancel Picasso? Collectors, artists, critics, and curators decide. And my question Excellent. is, William, decide what? Right. I guess like I guess he was a jerk. Right. And I'm not going to sit here and debate whether Picasso was a jerk or not. But my question for you is, because you sent this in, what, what would canceling Picasso look like? I don't know. Do we do we denounce him on Twitter? Uh, prevent him from working? Um, what, what else? Uh, pretend like all of his work is racist, homophobic, xenophobic anti uh trans I, I don't know what was his views on trans on transing children i i doubt they even <laughs> talked about that right <laughs> well there were eunuchs back then is that trans well that's what we do to the children so <laughs> i don't know if we're allowed to say that 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 converting from a, a boy to a girl is becoming a eunuch <laughs> Is, is that funny, because though. we're not allowed to connect to reality? I mean, that's what it is. We're <laughs> yeah, sterilizing it's it's young funny. people, causing them not to be able to reproduce. Yeah. No, it's, it's 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 funny. That's why I laughed at it. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Isn't the purpose of cancellation to prevent someone from reaping the benefits of their abilities? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And... Picasso here is dead. He can't reap the benefits of his abilities. So what? What? Why are we canceling him? Like, I, I just don't, don't look. I, I don't think, look at his art. If you don't I, like him, don't look at his honestly, art. Honestly, honestly, Justin, I think they want to destroy his art. Right. I, I, I'm being 100 percent honest here. Right. <laughs> think about what happened in architecture. Um, you know, in the in 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 especially in the 60s where all these super ugly modern buildings were built and all the pretty buildings were torn down right all the all the classical architecture buildings were torn out a lot of them were torn, torn down um the the it is it, it is a in order in order for you know you can't stand to next to like the modern like what is it, the library of uh, the boston library where there's the like 
the classical one and the modern one like sitting right next to each other. And you can like, you, you know, we can't have that because then it becomes like too obvious. Like most people can't evade that one building is ug- ugly and the other is actually a masterpiece, right? It's hard to, it's hard to evade that when you, when you can see it right in front of your, your fucking face. But, you know, if we get rid of Picasso, then, you know, Piss Christ looks pretty good. Right. And, and this, this connects to William, what you've been saying about how woke is a religious movement. Isn't this what religions have done in the history of the world is anything that is blasphemous, anything that contradicts the quote unquote word of God is destroyed. Yes. Yeah. This is, this does connect with that religious aspect, right? Um, in order to preserve the, the, you know, platonic uh, ideal of beauty that is in vogue for the religion, you must destroy all the other kinds because it's all blasphemous. Right. Now, with woke, it's not beauty. With woke, they say beauty is impossible and all life is suffering and we just have no, to no, figure out how to... No, no, fat is beautiful. Fat is beautiful. Uh, that's what they say, but they don't really mean that. We know that it with naturalism, it's all about you know, minimizing human suffering, right? And that that's the purpose of government and everything is we, we all suffer. And I mean, we know that that's underneath religion as well is the ideal, the idea of there's the ideal of God that no one can live up to and humans are necessarily flawed. You know, we see it in Christianity with original sin. I think Catholics embrace that the most. So they use the word beauty, but it's not the true meaning of the word beauty in religion or in woke. Right, right. It's d- beauty as defined by the collective, right? Right. Um, but also, it's beauty. It's it. Beauty cannot be a thing. It's all relative. Right. It's all relative, and it's all relative to what makes somebody feel affirmed and feel as if they're not uh, oppressed by it, rather than just having an objective standard of beauty and saying this is what beauty is, or just having your standard of beauty and not adapting it to whatever's happening around. And that's the entire point. The alternative, of course, that I would advocate, and I would think you would as well, is, okay, you don't like Picasso? Well, why don't you have, like, a museum for Picasso? And if people want to go to it, they can. And if people don't want to go to it, they don't have to. And then the people who don't like it can explain why you shouldn't support Picasso's art and you shouldn't go to that museum. Or instead, you can just look for yourself and look at a Picasso painting and then look at something else. Of some modern thing and decide. Well, right. But but that's what I'm saying is it should exist and it should have a place where you know where it is. And it's fair for people to make arguments about it. And then when people make arguments about it, you look for yourself and decide if their arguments are correct or not. We shouldn't just destroy it. We shouldn't just change it. Yeah. And in that changing, man, like... That brings me to the next thing I saw, right? And and we're not going down the art rabbit hole here. This isn't becoming the hopeful bromantic section, although this is going to lead me into a change in the hopeful bromantic section because of something that uh, I discovered uh, this week. So I've been listening to Pod Meets World, which is the Boy Meets World rewatch podcast with... Danielle Fischel, who played Topanga, and Ryder Strong, who played Sean Hunter, and Will Friedle, who played Eric Matthews. Every week, they usually do an interview, and then their second episode of the week is a recap of an episode. And very often, they're looking at the 
show through modern values. And when I say modern, I don't mean what modern values used to mean, where it's, you know, we've adapted and we've changed and we've grown and we've learned things and, you know, things that are more archaic or oppressive in the sense of, you know, if you watch a movie or show from the early 1900s, it probably isn't very... Not very sympathetic to Native Americans. Yeah. Or I was going to say black people or women either, right? Minorities or women either, right? It's not those kind of broad changes. It's it's looking at it through more of a, a woke lens, right? That's sort of saying like, oh, this is what's bad about the show. This is what's good about it. An example is some people they had on the show are the hosts of another podcast called Bra Meets World. Bra Meets World is B-R-U-H meets world. And to give you an idea of how much of a of a reach this this show has is the the Instagram page has 2249 followers. So they're probably not like a super popular podcast, right? I mean every asshole has a podcast nowadays. Listen to us, right? I mean we we don't have a super amount of listeners. But at the same time we're not trying to change anything. And that's this is the thing that's interesting to me. The entire appeal, William, or the entire marketing angle of this podcast, Bra Meets World, is it's analyzing Boy Meets World through the perspective of two black men. This is what it says. A Boy Meets World fan cast with a melanin point of view. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm all in. I'm all in for this. Let's hear the racism. So... I don't, you don't even need to hear it, right? Go to their Instagram and there is a bunch of pictures they posted. And these pictures are supposed to be reinterpretations of the main characters. They've got one of Corey, one of Sean, one of Topanga, one of Eric, one of Mr. Feeney, and one with both parents, Alan and Amy, as if the show was a show for black people rather than for white people, right? Or this is how they say it. Let, let, let's explain it. Y'all ain't ready for this. We use some futuristic tech to create biracial versions of our favorite Boy Meets World characters. Now, I guess these characters are supposed to be black and white. I'm not sure. I mean, Corey is supposed to be because it, it looks like Alan, his dad is white and his mom is more light-skinned black. But William... You've looked at these pictures, and I'm going to drop the link in the Discord right now. Uh, am I wrong for being disgusted at this concept? I, I don't think so. I think I think anytime someone tries to look at it from a collectivist perspective exclusively, um, I think that 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 I just get. I feel that disgusting emotion, right? Like so there's something disgusting about assuming this isn't to say you can't talk about, Hey, there's like, here's how a different culture might interpret this. Or here's looking at through this kind of cultural lens. Notice how that's very different than saying, Oh, because I have more melatonin, I have more knowledge that I can bring to the situation. There's a huge perversion there that's going on. This isn't melanin, saying like not melatonin. Uh, yeah. Melanin or melatonin. I guess we, I was you, imagining you, putting the, put this podcast putting me to sleep. I guess <laughs> uh, Freudian slip of how boring this podcast must be. But uh, but you understand what I'm saying, right, Justin? There's there's a there's a perversion. There's an inversion going on. Yeah, completely. And I I think it's also that perversion is 
very surface level. And what I mean by that is, now granted, I am white, yes? Although you know my opinion on the no, fact that no, we lump no, all white people together. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're Polish, which is a minority sometimes. Right. You know, in the history of Europe, which is the country that got conquered the most, right? <laughs> who, who, who keeps getting invaded? Anyway. Uh, where does the, the word the point slave being, come from? <laughs> Nobody ever points that out, that slave comes from Slavic, huh? Uh, um, yeah, so... You know how I feel about what, uh, linking all white people, grouping all white people together. But I think one of the things that works about Boy Meets World is that the ideas and the interactions and the plots can apply to anyone. Now, as you said, maybe culturally it's not the same, right? But look at something like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Right. Oh, and wait a Doesn't minute, Justin. F- you don't have enough uh, 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 <laughs> melanin to it. <laughs> I'm just saying it wrong again. To uh, to appreciate that, you need you need more. Well, that's exactly what I'm just saying. Like, William, do you identify with uh, living in inner city Philly and then being sent to live with your rich uncle in <laughs> in Bel Air? Bel Air, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I did identify with that, but not, not because of the concrete particulars, right? Well, right. And that's exactly the point I'm making is we create these concrete particulars and then we try to find a human conflict or a human idea, a human concept is the word I'm looking for that everyone can identify with. Mm-hmm. I like, I don't know what it's like to be Will Smith. I don't like no. I don't know what it's like to be Will Smith in that. I have never situation. slapped someone live on the Oscars, so I don't know what it's like to be Will Smith. <laughs> Although I, I do wish I could have slapped. So I wish I would have. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I admire him for that. Um, although Chris Rock would not have been the top of my list of who to slap live at the Oscars. Yeah, he's like the last person you would want to slap at the Oscars. He's the nicest guy. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but. I enjoyed the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air nonetheless because there are things about what he went through that you could be like, oh, I get that. I identify with that or I appreciate seeing his journey. And I think the reason Boy Meets World resonates is it was done in such a way that, you know, even though the the main character, Corey, is clearly influenced by uh, the Jewish heritage of the creator, Michael Jacobs, that he doesn't read as only Jewish and he can apply to anyone. Right. So even though these pieces of art of these reinterpretations of these characters is very well done, right? These these AI art is very well done. And I guess that's because that's the way AI works, right? It makes these very beautiful pieces of art. I wouldn't say anything about the quality of that as far as the technical aspect of the drawing. This isn't really Boy Meets World. Is this not, William? They just took characters or they they took drawings and they skinned them and they skinned them two two way or three ways one they put the names of the characters on it they put them in similar wardrobe and changed the skin color and it's supposed to still be boy meets world i mean look at the picture of sean yeah he just has a leather jacket on nothing in that it seems like sean yeah it's yeah, it is kind of it's almost like a a, a mod in a game, right? Um, yes, 
I would say it's almost like it is like a mod in a game, which yeah. is another thing that I've talked about before, right? The idea that why do fans think they have so much ownership over these properties that they can change the pieces of art somebody else made, right? Why can't we just appreciate what it was? And, and yeah. this is what I wanted to to change and talk about with, with this show, with our show, because this is my show, so I can do what I want with it. And I don't mean that to say, well, it's not your show too, because it is. But I'm saying that I can change things that are mine because I own them and I'm not going to change someone else's. And I think that's kind of what's going on with definitely Broad Meets World, but with Boy Meets World. When they discuss some of these episodes on the podcast, there are parts I disagree with because I don't think they're looking at them properly because they're trying to be socially justice with them or be woke or be politically correct with them. And I think they're missing the point. Now, they haven't discussed one of them, but one of the major points they're going to discuss coming up is Topanga's decision to not go to Yale and marry Corey and live with him instead. And it seems to be the common take on the internet nowadays, and I'm assuming the co-hosts are going to say this as well, that that was a bad choice by Topanga and a bad choice by the show when there are other more complicated things being shown on the show. Yeah. And because I like this show so much and I think it's so good and I, I do legitimately think it's one of the best shows ever made. I want to in the hopeful romantic from now on, when I hear something on pod meets world that I disagree with strongly, not because I don't think people are allowed their own takes, but because I think they're missing the point of the show because they're accidentally participating in the culture war, which do you remember with the Say by the Bell reboot, they tried to make it about a racial and privilege inequality issue? Mm-hmm. They yeah. tried to make yeah. it about white privilege? Yeah. It feels like they're trying to do the same thing here, not by rebooting the show, right? Because they already did the reboot with Girl Meets World, and it, it stayed pretty true to the original and to the values. But they're trying to do it by their interpretation of it. I'm not sure the hosts are aware of this. and I think the hosts are probably just trying to share their own perspective and make some money off of the show again, which, hey, good for them. I admire them for that, and I'm going to listen to the show. But I don't think they're understanding what they're doing by undermining the good of the actual show. So I want to do what I can to provide an alternative perspective on that. Well, good. You listen, and then I'll commentary. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll bring I'll bring a gay perspective. We'll 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 fag up Corey uh, and do that. As <laughs> what if they were? What if we did um, images of them all as drag queens? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> what if it was RuPaul's Boy Meets World? Oh man. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I may be sending you some drops from time to time, like some timestamps in a, a a Pod Meets World episode that. Uh, we can play on the show and then talk about it. Yeah. Okay, but this this rewriting of reality and this disconnect from reality, it doesn't just apply to mortgages. It doesn't just apply to... Art. Interpretation of art, right? It applies to literally the way people see the world and what the greatest threats are. And I say this because, William, you sent an article with one of the most hilarious titles I've ever seen. Ah, uh, yes. The article from, who is this by? Is this Vice or Vulture? Who? It's one of those, right? It's, it's Vice. Definitely not. Right? BuzzFeed Nude, RIP. <laughs> 
Wait, BuzzFeed died? BuzzFeed News died. Wow. But you can still take a quiz, right? Yeah, of course. All right. So, this headline. Right-wing edgelords are the real threat to national security. Hacker 4chan strikes again! (laughs) The notorious hacker known as 4chan. (laughs) So here's a quote from the article. Now notice, going back to the first article of saying... But what is the rule? There's going to be the similar question here. Last week, it was revealed that perhaps the most damaging unauthorized disclosure of U.S. intelligence since WikiLeaks wasn't laid at the hands of some quote-unquote woke warrior, but apparent Discord edgelord. Uh, You know, man, if I was a rapper, I think I'd name my next album Discord Edgelord. It's, and it, National Guards... Go ahead. I was going to say, it sounds like a like a Nerd City character on YouTube or maybe a, a, a Nerdcore rapper. Yeah, it's an awesome Nerdcore rapper album name, Discord Edgelord. I'm a Discord Edgelord. There you go. Let's do it. And National Guardsman Jack Texiera highlighting what ideological beliefs might actually pose a threat to the U.S. government. Texiera has been charged with the removal, retention, and transmission of classified documents and could face over a decade in prison if convicted. And again, William, my question is, what were the documents? (laughs) Now, I went down the rabbit hole again. This part about charged with, and it says removal, retention, transmission, blah, 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 right? That is actually the doctoring of a quote from Attorney General Mark Garland. Here is the actual quote. Alleged unauthorized removal, retention, and transmission of classified national defense information. William, why would you just not keep the original quote? Why do we remove national defense from here? Why do we remove alleged unauthorized? I don't know. What are we trying to obscure here? We're trying to make him seem guilty before being proven innocent. Oh, well, he's he's right wing, so like he must be guilty. He's his birthright is guilt, right? And he's an edge lord. Which do you notice how we still don't even know what the hell this has to do with edge lord? Yeah, edge lord is anyone who likes uh, humor, basically. Remember when they tried to call Zack Snyder an edge lord? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read another paragraph. Right? And we're going to break this paragraph in two. So I'm going to read it, but then we're going to break it down in two. While it isn't exactly clear what Texiera's beliefs or motivations were, the behavior on Discord clearly or on the Discord certainly bears the hallmarks of an edgelord. Usually very online, young man posting mock shit, shocking memes and comments for LOLs and kudos among each other. Someone allegedly taking classified information to impress their chaos-loving online friends is yet another security threat to a defense force that military sources say has yet to even properly handle individuals with anti-government or extremist beliefs. So, here's the thing. Here's why I want to break this in two. The first half, William, is simply a characterization of the way someone's interacting second half, is interacting online. Yeah. You know, he's... He's sharing, uh, sharing dank mock memes. shocking memes. Yeah, right. That, the pronunciation is dank memes. Dank memes. So he's sharing dank memes, and he's sharing it often in a Discord, right? Uh, also, William, 
What's the difference between someone who's very online and not online nowadays? I feel like the only time I'm not online is when I'm not on my phone. And what I mean by that is, like, I recognize you don't have to go in all, like, you don't have to go in Discord, you don't have to go on Reddit, you don't have to go on the social media platforms. Except for our Discord. But, well, you don't have to. I would like you to go by choice, but you're not required to. I'm requiring um, you to. Okay, William is, but I'm not your edgelord, overlord, and Discord. Um, I'm changing my name. But, but <laughs> I'm going to have a kid, and his first name is going to be Discord, and his middle name is going to be Edgelord. <laughs> Discord Edgelord Lesneski. Isn't that an awesome name? Um, but most people who have a phone... Are they not on at least one platform most of the time, whether it be TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat? I mean, this week at school, a bunch of kids were like, oh, TikTok has this new AI that you can interact with. And I'm going to make like some of the girls were joking and be like, I'm going to make him my AI boyfriend. So isn't everyone pretty much very online if they have a phone, even if they're just getting uh, notifications posted uh pushed to them about what the news is and what's going on on all these different platforms? Yeah, I think so. There, I just changed my name. There you go. Discord, Overlord, Edgelord. It's now <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, that's a classification, right? This this characterization of him. It's the Posting gamer classification. News. I think Edgelord right. is the new way to try to say gamer, right? That we talk, right. I think we talked about this, uh, maybe it was two episodes ago, about, you know, I was listening to an old Blink-182 song and thinking, like, Man, there is none of this irreverence anymore, right? There's a yeah. lot of like tear down, like, like that. The the pop punk took out some of the like tear down everything, the sort of like nihilism, and made it more irreverent, right? Like, you're, we're not here to tear down everything, but we're certainly going to laugh at it, right? Right. And right. That that's just gone, right? Posting funny memes is somehow means you're. David Duke? I don't I don't understand the connection, right? But I think the only way I can understand it is to put it back in that gamer classification where there is it does tend to be males, younger males who have this irreverent sense of humor. And somehow that right. makes that's a national security risk. <laughs> right. And that's the thing, the second half, right? Leaking classified defense information. <laughs> right? That's a legitimate concern if he yes. did this. Yes. Right? But they're linking it in this paragraph. They're putting two halves of paragraphs together that don't go together. They're like, this guy posted Dake memes. Oh, that means anyone who posts Dake memes is going to... Is a security threat. Right, is a security threat. They're going to retain and transmit classified national defense information. You know what I would say, Justin, just to blow blow up this whole uh, uh, discussion, deep discussion you're trying to have for a second. I think the bigger threat is the fact that we've turn snowden into a hero you know snowden's a complete hero and yeah and so and and so which is the bigger threat people uh who post dank memes or people who think snowden is a hero and the fact that like why would this person think a why would this person think he would get caught and then b why would he think if he was caught that anything necessarily bad would i mean he should be uh dining with putin within the within a month right right and and that's that's really where we get back to your whole thing of how does this become right wing right why why is this right wing and it's right wing because 
what you just said. They want people to have that belief, right? They want people to have the belief, undermine the system, blow everything up. But if you do it for values that I don't agree with, you become evil and racist. Yeah. And then anyone who's evil and racist is automatically right wing. Yeah. I I think so. I think that I think that there's also a a part of like who is this person looks younger, right? I don't know. I don't even remember the rank. Um, why so much responsibility so early? Why so much access so early? Who's mentoring this person? You know, like what? Like there, there there's so much. There's so much more to go into this story other than quick connect him to the politically unclean so that right. we can we can take further discriminatory actions against the politically unclean does right. this do they are these folks really advocating that you go look at because remember people join the military when they're 17 or 18 right uh are we supposed yes. to go look at their snapchats from and their twitter dms from when they were 14 sending racist jokes to each other and gig, and giggling to each other and then say, oh, this is a right-wing edge lord. Yeah. Without even discussing why we're bringing people who are 17 and 18 into the military nowadays. And as you said, why does this guy have that much responsibility? Well, what about the whole thing where they're lowering the fitness standard to get into all the branches of the military because we don't have people who are able to do it anymore? I mean, all of these things would be a more... Right. This would these would all be more worthwhile discussions. Yeah. Instead, there was, a, there was a YouTube short just really quick. There's a YouTube short that I uh, was uh, uh, I just happened to catch when I was uh, searching for another video of like a gym class from like the 1950s maybe. And Justin, they all look like your like imagine like boys wrestlers like like the sort of the like the 135 to like 165 maybe most but all muscular right like they're doing like multiple pull-ups and they're doing the pegboard and things like that dude can you imagine any high school gym doing those things today no i go up and down the pegboard and people think i'm crazy yeah yeah i say i say i say do a pull-up like the obviously the really good kids can do a bunch of pull-ups right but most of them can't you know it's crazy to me now i couldn't do a pull-up in high school either i but i could do it when i was littler Oh, I could do them in high school. I can do them now. Took me I failed the, I failed the presidential physical fitness challenge. Do you want to know why? Why is that? So I could do everything, but do you remember the one where you had to put your feet flat against the box and reach forward? Oh yeah, I couldn't do that either. I I couldn't do that, and I couldn't run. I can't remember what pass was, but I remember like I was like I was always like fifteen or twenty seconds, like <laughs> like I could never run fast enough the mile. But um. Could you touch the box on the one with the the feet? No, no, I have no flexibility in my legs. I have big leg muscles yeah, and no flexibility. I have no flexibility either. I couldn't touch the box. I also have short arms. So I I passed everything except that one, so I never got I would never was able to pass the physical fitness challenge. So Yeah. We've never been physically fit yeah. as a country. But so ultimately they could discuss all of these things in this article. Instead, William, to me, this article just becomes a guy complaining about the fact that people exist in the world that believe different things than him. Yeah, there's no connection of causation here. Yeah. Right? I think that's the 
the main, you know, we've talked about disconnect from reality. I think this is a quintessential example of just being disconnected from causation. There, like, let me put it this way. There are thousands of edgelords in the military <laughs> by this definition, right? Like being in the military is relatively lonely, having to move around all the time. And especially for the younger ranks, until you get married and have a family, life is miserable in the military. They, they really do not optimize. It's, it's optimized for forcing you to get married and have a family. That's what military life is for folks in the junior ranks, uh, at least for uh, NCOs, for, for, uh, for enlisted folks. So like there are way more people uh, that would be in discord in the military, in the junior ranks, than there are people who leak classified information. And let's yeah, forget. Yeah, that's a great point, like, too. We're, we, what, we're, I've, I've talked to you about this before. Um, where is most of the information leaked? The most dangerous leaks, the most common leaks. They're in D.C. They're done by high-ranking officers, right? Yeah. And, and, and civil servants that have no fear of being discovered. And it's always, you know, it's always a political motivation, right? Some sort of political uh, partial leak of some information that discredits uh, usually some Republican, right? Um, we had it basically all the time in the Trump administration, right? They just hated him so much, they just saw it as their job to leak information. But that those don't damage. Uh, notice how those don't cause any damage or we don't need to look at their Discord. None of that, right? That's all in service of the, uh, of, of, of the ideal. Right. And that's why I'm saying... The article is just people complaining, a guy complaining that people have has different views in the world. Because as you said, like, if you do this and you have the correct views, you're a hero. If you do this and you have the incorrect views, you're a villain. You're an edgelord. You're an edgelord. That's the new term. You're an edgelord. So don't be or do be an edgelord. You make that decision. Just keep us out of it. Don't don't leak it. If you're going to leak it in discord, don't leak it in our discord. Yeah, please. Don't leak it in our discord, please. Uh but hit the hit the sound. Wait, dank memes. Right, hit the though. drop. D- dank memes are allowed though. In our, in our dank discussion. memes are allowed. Not dick memes. Dank memes are allowed. Dick memes. I'll make a special channel for that. <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> uh, hit the drop so now I can advertise our Discord in the proper function because my slight autism makes it so I need the drop before I can plug the Discord. Which drop you want? Jesus, I want the drop of the sound for the hopeful romantic. I thought that was implied. That transition was kind of clunky, but I like it because it was real and I think it, it felt natural. So well done, William, on misunderstanding, perhaps on purpose. I don't know if it was a purpose or not. Well, but I now am I'm gonna play an Discord. <laughs> now I'm gonna plug the Discord. If you would like to send us dank memes, if you would like to send dick memes to William's new channel on the Discord, <laughs> if you would like to Send us some farce. Talk to us about the farce during the week. We had a bunch of commentary this week. I think people didn't like what I said last week. I'm not sure. Or they couldn't tell when I was joking. Look, I think you could tell when I'm being serious or not or when I'm being a Discord edgelord on this show. So go to the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode link. There's a join Discord link in there. Uh, go in there. Participate in the edgelordness. Watch some trailers. 
Give us your thoughts. Tell us about the movies and shows you're seeing. We'd love to hear from you as long as you're not leaking national defense information. Please keep us out of that. Please. All right, William, I want to review the movie Chevalier this week. Uh, do you remember talking about it when we did the trailers? I don't remember Trailer takedown. No, remind okay. me. Okay. This is about the uh, the black virtuoso violinist in France oh. right before the French Revolution. Okay. Now, if you remember, our concern was that it was going to be too social justice Right. Now, this is difficult because in pre-revolution France, it was in an unequal society. There was oppression. There was racism. Mm -hmm. So that's a legitimate story to tell. The difficulty is, was it going to be properly interpreted when we have the modern cultural lens? Yeah. And what I could say is the following. Here's my one sentence review. The power of Chevalier's climax is undermined by plot and character choices. So, uh, do you want to hit the spoiler button? There's walkers in the barn and Lori's pregnant. The last shot of this movie is fantastic, right? It's him being taken out of uh, a concert hall after giving a performance in support of the revolutionaries. And, you know, he's arrested and it's the shot of him with the crowd around him and then it cuts to black. It's a great ending. However, to get there, it's just way too convoluted. It's just way too convoluted. So first of all, this entire movie starts with him interrupting a Mozart concert and having like an eight mile violin duel with Mozart. And then the end of the scene is Mozart is like, who is he? And they, they say his name. And Mozart's like, who is that man? And they say the guy's name. Now, I understand, like, I get it from a writing perspective. It's like, oh, well, we need an impactful way to introduce him. And we need an exciting way to introduce this character. And, you know, this is a historical figure that's just now being discovered. And history's kind of figuring out his impact and his importance to France and its culture at the time. But these sort of poor decisions led to other poor decisions. So Mary Antoinette is a character in this movie. And, you know, she notices this man and she makes him the Chevalier of St. George. Yeah, that Mary Antoinette, right? But they don't really go into his relationship with her, right? And then here's, here's the biggest problem with the entire movie. So this is set during the French Revolution, or the lead up to it. Mm -hmm. And one of the side characters is the main character's friend. And the main character's friend is obviously a Frenchman who, this is the not obvious part, is in favor of the revolution. And at one point in the meeting, he brings Chevalier and the lead for Chevalier's opera to, he's writing an opera. He's trying to achieve the position of the, you know, the pers- the pair, the director of the Paris Opera, which he doesn't get because they're racist against him. Which has actually happened. Which is, you know, that's one of the compelling scenes of the movie to actually witness that what real racism looks like, where everyone knows he had the best opera and he's denied it due to systemic issues. Like that was a actually compelling scene. It was interesting to actually see that. 
But they go to this meeting of the French Revolution, and he, you know, this guy starts talking about, his friend starts talking about, like, Rousseau and all the philosophical ideas. But it's very surface level until the lead of the opera asks the friend, well, what about women? Do you see them as equal? And then he says stuff about how women are equal, and then the scene ends. And it felt more like a historical sort of box checking. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, William, is it sort of felt like, well, these ideas actually did influence this, and we have to acknowledge it, but we don't want to go too too deep into it. And also we want to make sure we're saying things about feminism because, you know, we can never say all men are created equal anymore without saying, but that also includes women. Yeah. Uh, And I'm not saying it doesn't include women, but it felt like the scene was skewed. And then that later led to the introduction of a character that, dude, this character, have you ever heard of the trope of the magical Negro? Yeah. So you know what that trope is? Yeah. Yeah. So it's where you have this wise, old black character who tells the truth about what's going on. And what this movie ends up doing is Chevalier experiences some major racism where he has a child with a white woman who's married and the husband uh, discovers the affair when the woman becomes pregnant and the child is born and the the child is black, right? Or dark skin. They never say if the child is explicitly how dark skin, right? They just say dark skin. And he has the, the husband has the child killed. And, you know, he, the Chevalier flips out because he's like, why do I not have a choice about my child, right? And he connects this to his childhood because, and this is the true part of this, and I believe the affair is, is true as well. I'm not a historian, though. Because Chevalier was born to a slave owner and his slave. And then the slave owner sent him to France because he saw how talented he was at violin and he was just smart in general and he didn't want anything bad to happen to him and he didn't think he deserved to be a slave so he sent him to like a prestigious school in France and that's how he got into his positions of power and everything so historically when I was doing research here because I was curious I couldn't find any evidence of this man's mother having any influences in his life but what happens is the guy's father dies and then suddenly his mother shows up in France and is living with him. And it's at this point in the movie after his kid is killed and he's like, why do we not have choice that she basically starts spouting Randy in philosophy and <laughs> what she says is good, but she's essentially like everything they're trying to do is trying to convince you. You don't have a choice, but you always have a choice. Even if the choice is just to fight or not. And like, William, is that not Randy in philosophy right there? Yeah, yeah. Does that not come from John Locke and Rousseau and all of the thinkers of the Enlightenment? Yeah. So why, narratively, would it have not made more sense to have <laughs> that be something... French people. <laughs> right. In, in a meeting of the revolution? Shouldn't they have shown an inverse no, of... clearly a slave owner, or sorry, a slave from... from a freed slave. Yeah, from... Amer- from Guadalupe. Yeah. Right. I mean, maybe maybe if she quoted, maybe it'd be better if she quoted, like, I don't know how historical it would be, but, like, quote, like, I don't know, some, some black philosophical leader, right? 
from the yeah, from or, slave movement. Dude, if they had simply showed her when she shows up in France, start going to the revolutionary meetings and she's yeah. our view into the revolution. Yeah. Right. Why do you have one scene of this revolutionary meeting if you're going to end the movie with him holding a fundraiser concert for the people of France who are starving and the leftover goes to the revolution? And he starts saying liberté, equalité, right? If he starts saying these things, uh, the movie just should have had an inverse relationship where it starts with him with all this privilege. And as he experiences more and more racism and oppression, he starts going more and more to these meetings and becoming more and more involved and giving up more and more of his privilege to fight for the revolution. Yeah, that would have done it much more logically. But for some reason, and we know what that reason is, they wanted to make it more about race than they did wanted to make it about the philosophical ideas of liberty and equality. Yeah. And because of that, they fell into racism on their own. I mean, how racist is it? How racist is it? Rather than have the main character learn things on his own, that the magical Negro character redeems him. So he's a, he's a mulatto, right? They even use the word mulatto. So I'm quoting the movie, right? Mulatto is an old fashioned term. I'm sure it's considered, considered offensive now that means someone who's half black and half white, who's mixed. And I'm sure the movie was trying to say that he was being too white early in the movie. And it's not until he experiences racism and his wise black mother comes to him who speaks an African language most of the movie to the point that there are scenes where he's she's talking to her friends in front of him. And he's like, what are they saying? What are they saying? Why are you speaking like that? At one point, he tells her, he goes, the, the language, the accepted language here is French. Right. But it's not until she shows up that she redeems his blackness. Isn't that racist in itself? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine, imagine, uh, we always say this, but imagine the reverse, right? What if, what if Justin, you had to redeem your whiteness in order to uh, succeed as the hero? Right. And like a character from Poland comes in to like, tells me about, tell me about like how I need to, uh, you know, rebel against certain things like, oh, you will always have your power. Right. Imagine, imagine that being said to, to a white Polish person. Power. You always have your, yeah, you always have your, Ivan Putsky shows up. That's a really obscure professional wrestling joke, but Ivan Putsky shows up. He's like, you will always have your Polish power. Right. Like how up in arms would people be? Right. It's just, it's, it's racist against the character that it's yeah. the, the magical Negro stereotype. You get what I'm saying? And I'm only saying yeah, that term. I don't. I don't like that word, right? I don't yeah. like the term but it, Negro. Yeah, but, but I'm only saying a, that because, it is a social justice criticism, right? But and and it's it's valid to use that term, the magical Negro, because that's what they're doing. The character in herself doesn't have any character. She's just like, oh, I'm upset you were taken from me as a boy, and now I'm going to show up and dispense wisdom to you. She is not a character in herself. She does not have a journey in herself. Her only purpose is to redeem him. So the point being, there's a lot of good in this movie, but it's undermined by the, the sort of negative points. Hmm. So I wouldn't call this a great movie. I also wouldn't call this a bad movie. This is a solid middle of the road, bro. This is where, this is the kind of stuff that gets turned out where it's, it's very, very mixed. There's a lot to like, but then there's some stuff that you're just going to roll your eyes out, roll your eyes at. And that one scene encapsulated it. The one scene, which is the turning point where she spouts the Randian philosophy. It's like, yeah, she's making a really good point. But why was this the vehicle used to make that point? So 
I admire that point they're making. And like, it's a really good quote, but at the same time, I don't want to use the quote because it kind of feels racist to use it because it's the magical Negro trope. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. All right. So let's move on and talk about some movies that are going to come out. We're going to do some trailer takedown here. I usually put the trailers in Discord the Saturday before we record. And so, you know, if you want to be a Discord edgelord and watch them before the episode, you can. Or maybe you watch them after the episode or maybe you watch them during. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Tiny Toons Luniversity. And just so you all know, this isn't all animated we're only doing three trailers, and they're all animated, so get ready for that. Tiny Toons Luniversity is a reboot of, or a continuation of Tiny Toons. Uh, recently, Animaniacs was rebooted on Hulu. I've only watched one episode of it. It was pretty good. Uh, this is done in the style of an ad for college, because now the Tiny Toons have moved on from high school to college. Look, this is a good concept. Here's the problem. It is about 20 years too late. And what I mean by that is they should have kept the Tiny Toons going and having them age up as we all aged up, William. They should have just followed us. The other main problem I have with this is the animation looks subpar, where at least with the Hulu reboot of Animaniacs, it looks to be the same quality or better quality animation than the original. This trailer actually looked like the animation was worse than the original. So I like the concept here. I do not like the execution. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, Justin, I think you're, you're, this is 20 years too late is spot on. I don't think that they could do any of the kind of irreverent humor or college situational humor that would connect with the audience that would like this show. I don't see how do you make this quote unquote for a modern audience and not, <clears throat> and, and retain any of the uh, uh, Looney Tunes humor. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to work. It's going to it's going to look surreal, not funny. Tackle. Tackle. Second trailer. Okay, I lied that they're all animated. I meant they're all like kids shows, right? Because this is a puppet yeah. one. It's Muppets. Muppets. The Muppets Mayhem. It's a Disney Plus show about the band from the Muppets, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. You know, this is the the band that has Janice and Animal is the drummer for. And they are going to record their first ever album. Now, I don't know if this has come through on the podcast before, but I absolutely love the Muppets. I think they're hilarious. And I think if they're done properly, they're very funny. Uh, and I, I think I think this trailer, it looks great. This looks like it's done properly. My only problem with this trailer is it. I feel like it gives everything away. You know, it has all the celebrity cameos because Muppets are known for having celebrity cameos in their shows uh it has a lot of the funny jokes like when um zed shows up and zed is a modern musician who does a lot of sampling of things he's i don't know if he's considered a dj or not i don't know what's a dj or not nowadays but he shows up to work with the the band and they say animals laying down a drum drum track and then he just pushes a button and zed like zed's like he's got it and then animal looks really confused like, I think that's a spot-on joke. It's absolutely hilarious. And I think a lot of this was hilarious. So, as a Muppets fan, and hoping they continue to remain in Disney parks, 
not only am I going to watch this, but I hope that this really succeeds and takes off because I want to give Disney reasons to keep Muppets in the park. Massive hug. Hug. Yeah, I too love the Muppets. I used to always go to the Muppet ride every time I would go to uh, to MGM or whatever they call it, the Hollywood Studios, whatever they call it nowadays. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping there's more than just what's in the preview. Uh, like you said, it seems like they're giving away a bunch of stuff uh, in the preview. But uh, I'm hoping that Kermit's in there too. I'm just going to say that. Uh, but with those hopes, uh, this is definitely a Disney Plus and hug. Netflix and hug. Final trailer. Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai is a max because we can't say HBO Max anymore. I don't know why they decided to call it Max, though. It sounds like one dude just owns a television channel or a streaming platform. It's very strange. Anyway, it's an animated prequel. I assume it's a prequel because it looks like this is set in Japan and Gizmo comes from an alternate dimension and this young kid has to get Gizmo back or adopt him. Or I'm not really sure what the exact conflict is, except Gizmo shows up and we learn more about the background of the Mogwai and the Gremlins. This is a, it, as I said, it's animated. Um, here's my main problem, William. And maybe you as a gamer don't have a problem with this, but I don't like this style of animation. I, I didn't like it in Into the Snyderverse. Snyderverse. Into the Spiderverse. Talk about... <laughs> Freudian slip, right? <laughs> it's a different animated series altogether. Yeah, that's a much different animated series, right? <laughs> I, I didn't like it in Into the Spider-Verse, but Into the Spider-Verse looked like it was done in a lot higher quality than this. This looks like a low-quality version of a Telltale game. If you remember, Telltale yeah. does those like story-based games. They did a couple of the Walking Dead ones. I played the first one. But the animation just doesn't look good here. This also strikes me as hopping on the bandwagon of making all of these Asian movies now that Crazy Rich Asians was a hit. I mean, they just recently said they're going to set Crazy Rich Asians 2 in the Philippines. So all of these movies are coming out. We saw the trailer a few weeks ago about the road trip movie with the four Asian girls where they go back to Asia and they relied on the the drug mule jokes, right? So it's like now everyone's trying to take every opportunity they can to hop on the Asian train and that's unfortunate because I think in the original movie you you maybe have a case that it was slightly racist that they were like well how do we explain where the mogwai comes from oh we'll just say it comes from East Asia that's mysterious and white people don't know about it Americans don't know about it so for them to like make a whole thing about this that it's set in Japan I don't know there's just but beyond gizmo right like I like gizmo Right, And I like Gremlins. And I like the way Gizmo speaks, and he's funny in this trailer, and they use that. But beyond that, the it's like they took Gizmo and put him in an uninteresting situation that's just executed in a way that I would find abrasive. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, I, I, I think there's two feelings that I had watching this. The first was, like you talked about, this just looks like applying a, a, a Gremlin skin to a script. That's the first feeling I had. And I think the second thing connects to what you were saying is that, you know, American comic books have are basically bankrupt. 
Uh, manga is outselling anything right now. And Netflix uh, uh, has been failing at all these live action remakes and remaking uh, 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 well-respected and, and beloved um, uh, uh, manga and anime stories, right? You know, the live action Death Note was a, a, a complete disaster. The, uh, I mean, a bunch of Cowboy Bebop was a disaster. This feels like, oh, manga's working. We'll do this in sort of a manga style. We'll use the Spider-Verse animation style. We'll pull on the member berries with Gremlins and we'll have a hit and we'll have a Gremlin cinematic universe. It doesn't it doesn't look like there's so many interesting things you could do with this, right? But it, in the in the in the in the uh, trailer, it doesn't look like this is going to be anything other than a an origin story and even kind of an awkward one at that, right? Why do I care about these characters? What's the impact? You know, what's what's the thematic goal? It's not clear, and it, and because of the current state of Hollywood. It brings all these fears in, and it doesn't look interesting. So, tackle. Tackle. All right, William. That brings us to the end of this episode. What did we learn this trip? Go ahead. Uh, I uh, reminded myself that I shouldn't take a shower because I might turn into a gremlin. Justin, what did you learn this trip? Uh, I learned that I actually have no idea what cancellation means. <laughs> that... <laughs> I thought it was just like preventing me from doing things I wanted to do, but apparently it means also destroying anything I ever did in my entire life. It's making so, you an untouchable, like in India, right? I kind of think it's worse than that, though, when you're starting to talk about, like, not only are you untouchable, but, like, if you made that cake, nobody can even eat that cake, you know? Yeah. All right, I want to thank everybody for listening. If it wasn't for you, this would just be me talking into the corner of my closet like a crazy person. I mean, I'm still doing that. You just make me feel a little bit better about it. If you want to support us, there are multiple ways. Go to midside.com slash store, pick up some merch. Midside.com slash Patreon, midside.com slash locals. That's how we keep the lights on. And of course, the best way you can grow the show is to tell a friend, especially a female friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emblazeski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a melanin day. So is, is it like Metachlorines? From Star Wars, like the more you have, the more the more of the force you have. So the more melanin you have, the more force uh, your argument has. Is that how we're supposed to think about it? I mean, I think that is a hundred percent correct, William. And we don't usually hit a drop. In, William, in the, my degree from Matthew says you are a hundred percent correct. Yeah, because don't you ever see all the stuff about black girl magic? Oh man. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm glad we connected it.